0: What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I normally don't like to date these things too much, and this wouldn't be the kind of thing I would normally bring up. However, there's a weird energy in the room right now because we're about to talk about something that we're all very excited to talk about, but it is not... The thing that we've been experiencing at the time of this recording. So, for people that are listening at, at the time of release, we're recording this after the Kenobi trailer just came out. Now, there will be a separate episode on that. Who's going to be on it? I don't know yet. When it's out, I'll obviously have made that decision. That's how time works when you're podcasting and making content. Sometimes I don't know things and you know things before me talking does. It's a whole thing, it's very world between worlds. But for right now, We are going to be discussing the High Republic Phase 1 Adult Novels Trilogy, more easily said as the Del Rey Trilogy, and I am not alone. If you clicked this, you already know if for some reason you're just going through your podcast playlist and it is a surprise, then I am excited to share that surprise with you. We have with us both halves of Team Star Wars Explained, Molly Damon, Alex Damon, helos there so really it's all three it's all three members of the team yeah pippin might wander in we don't know yeah P- pippin might commit well that's very much like his namesake of pippin he will be, yeah. be a surprise element so- something wacky will happen with him he'll come uh, in make a lot of noise and then leave and then, leave. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: and then you'll scowl at him like gandalf uh, fool of a took fool of a cat <laughs> um but thank you guys so much for coming on appreciate it welcome 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 back had you both on before separately together but it's been a while so how are you you know uh, current events aside (laughs) good a a little frazzled like i literally just uploaded my trailer breakdown and then jumped over to here Yeah,
1: but otherwise good. Yeah, it's yeah. been a good day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, things have been things have been solid. I'm glad to hear it. I know that uh, when we were talking, we were planning dates and everything. It was like, oh, Wednesday, psh, Wednesday will be fine. Like, you know, whatever innocuous and those, those curveballs, those curveballs. And I feel like now that we're in a more packed year and a more packed future forever, will basically be like this. From now until yeah. forever, until we're dead, um, it'll be a constant constant flow, a constant steady drip because there's, and, and even as you're fans of other things, you know, as you both are, you, the Batman, oh, the Kenobi trailer, oh, when's Bad Batch coming? Oh, Star Trek, oh, what's going on over here? Lord of the Rings, Moon Knight. So there's no time to breathe. Thankfully, you are just Star Wars Explained and you're not trying to be like a geek catch-all. you know, probably have to hire like five more people um, and already. Your, your day just
1: hire I some time. of our friends.
0: I mean, we could. <laughs> <laughs> we, we definitely have uh, a Lord of the Rings expert.
1: Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a great time to be <laughs> a nerd right now. Like it already was a great time, but especially now after you named off all those things, I was like, man, it's, it's nuts.
0: It's wild. <laughs> and that's just... In the immediate, like that's just right now. Mm -hmm. It's you know, like there's going to be more Game of Thrones this year. There's going to be oh yeah, uh, the you know Andor, Ahsoka, and Acolyte are both about to shoot for early next year. All the Marvel films, DC films. So it's crazy. It's packed, but we are honing in. Like I said. For all you listeners right now on three books in particular i've never done anything like this until the fallen star was over and i realized that i felt really passionate about doing it this way because when this was announced way back even as luminous and then when we got the details i never would have thought that a trilogy of books would feel to me as like so like oh uh, like wow like this is like a trilogy of movies like it was truly just something special even going back to legends like there were series that i love most of them went on until 15 16 books but for this to really be this marquee event felt like it needed its own special treatment so we're honing in directly on those three full spoilers from this point oh boy lots of deaths so if if that's something that you're like ah you know i don't mind i'm telling you quite a few so this is this is the point of no return um, Starlight Beacon is crashing starting now. So my friends tell me where you're at in terms of this entire trilogy right now whoever wants to jump in first. I know that uh, Molly I'm not sure particularly how you feel about this is a specifically Jedi focused thing. I know for you Alex it's like this is more the other side of the coin from your general bag. You know you're more uh, your pilot's Boots on the ground, great mustaches, of which I'm sure there were a few uh, in this book. Some characters we don't have art for yet, so it's like there could easily be some. Great like, like a giant mustache.
1: <laughs> That's a good point. We don't know who has the best mustache in the High, in the high Republic yet.
0: I feel like yes. a Stellan Stellan's got a beard, but that doesn't count. Mm, it's it's too yes. much. Yeah, that <laughs> art does of not it count. cannot
1: come faster.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> feel like it's gonna be Regild Cole. You know, he's got he's got some yeah. humor. He's got some yeah. swagger to him. I feel like that's definitely a, a mustachioed personality. <laughs> um, but yeah, so how did you how did you all feel going into this? Think, knowing, wow, this is going to be, especially with Light of, Light of the Jedi, by Charles Soule, and it was just something we'll talk about, Charles Soule, Kevin Scott, Claudia Gray. So it's a trilogy, not even by the same author, let alone, mm-hmm. like, not even two authors, three, having to balance this tone, that it was going to be Jedi-focused, not knowing anything by the time period, and where are you at now?
1: I mean, I was super stoked about it. Like, as soon as I got a couple chapters into Light of the Jedi, I was like, oh, man, the Jedi of this time period are freaking awesome. And, like, it is exactly what people have been clamoring for, just, like, cool Mm. cool Jedi stuff, cool lightsaber stuff. The vectors are cool. Everything about the Jedi in this time period is especially cool. And I wanted to just sing its praises to everyone who wasn't reading it. I think we both did, like... Mm you want cool Jedi stuff and open up my, my jacket and have all the books here. Like (laughs) I got it over here, (laughs) but yeah, I, I loved it from the start and I don't read all of the star Wars books, but I feel like these three main ones I got through pretty easily because they really grabbed my attention and and held it and just had really good storytelling, telling a lot of characters and a lot of different places. Uh, in the books, but which can sometimes make me like lose interest. But I think I think I held it together with these three books because <laughs> I was so invested in those characters, and yeah, I loved it.
0: I also loved it. I remember getting Light of the Jedi during the evening, and I was like, I'll crack it open tonight, and I'll I'll, I'll start it, get a chapter or two, and just because I'm excited to see what the style's like. And then I read a third of the book, like starting it at. 10 p.m. or something and I just read until 2 or 3 so I I was immediately enthralled by it and I will say I think I miss you know some aspects of the just the normal people in the galaxy but you you get that in sprinkles here and there it is largely Jedi focused but I assumed that would be the case going in so it it absolutely does not bug me at all like my expectations were fully set uh, when we were going into Light of the Jedi.
1: Yeah, there's like different levels of Jedi because you got the Seekers and...
0: Yeah, that's true. We see a lot of different kinds, like the Investigator, Emerick Kaftor, yeah. stuff mm. like that. Yeah, there's a lot of variety within the Jedi.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And And to your point about those sprinkles, it's an interesting situation because most Star Wars, at least historically, has been... It's our heroes, be that Jedi, smugglers, whoever that's going to be. And then generally speaking, our villains are middle management and then the dark forces behind middle management, like Palpatine, like Dooku, but people that are definitely tapped into that mythological side of Star Wars. The regular people in the higher public are usually our villains. It's our villains that are our regular people perspective. They just happen to be horrible. Regular and horrible uh, could coexist. So you have your people like... Paneta, Lorna D. markion possesses certain powers, but he has to go get them. Um, and he has to find different ways to do it. But his father, uh, Kasov, um Udy Dis, or New Phone Udy Dis, um, his actual <laughs> legal name. Um, a, a lot of these characters, it really is the first time that we've seen the clash between people that really thought about how they would defeat jedi knights how they would take them out and i think it set them apart from the sith which was a really big selling point of the entire thing was what is it like in the thousand years where there hasn't been at the very least a public appearance of the Sith? that very at the very least noted of course you could always wiggle one in as long as castle doesn't know about it then phantom menace is still true that revelation is still true, but it's um, very interesting to see how they were able to find legitimate threats. So by by you know, Light of the Jedi, you're like, oh, this Marquion, he's kind of a snake, very sort of like a Game of Thronesy character, string puller. But then by Fallen Star, you're like, this is a this is a galaxy changing individual who I'm legitimately frightened about, who actually terrifies me. So how did you feel about our opponents here? Did you have sort of a oh, they can never be as threatening as the Sith sort of re- reservation, or were you sold from the early talk of space Vikings and what happens? I think the original luminous tagline was Force binds us, and penetrates us, blah, 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 until ellipses. So, how, how did that all play for you? I, I like the Nile a lot. And, and I wanted them to be as different from the Sith as they could be. So, you know, even if. it it, sometimes they don't land for me um but even if they don't i'm like just glad they're doing something different period uh markian is a villain that i like uh some of the tempest runners here and there i'm like okay like i'm not super into lorna d um Mm. but as a whole i'm enjoying the nile and the fact that they don't have a code and they're different from the sith in that way like they're just pain and chaos because they can where, like, they don't even seem... Markian has a goal, but the rest of the Nile don't really seem like they have one. Whereas the Sith are always trying to get more power.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like when I what I said about keeping track of all of the Jedi characters, we kind of got an equal amount, like, all of these Nile characters, too. So I, I did start to get a little bit tired of, like, okay, trying to keep track of all the different Nile characters. But Markian is, like one of my favorite villains to pop up in a long time. I thought he was really interesting, especially cause I listened to all the audiobooks and I thought it was interesting that he sounded like younger and he was really soft-spoken for, for most of it. And that was really intriguing to me. And then when we get to that big moment where he's giving that big speech in the great hall and just like really riling all the Nile up and to, to get behind him it was like, I got chills. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on board for whatever he's trying to do as a villain. I was, I was really uh, interested in that.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, that speech is such a great moment. And it's so funny thinking about that speech versus the speech at the end of Fallen Star that gets broadcast everywhere, and how the public facing Marquion has changed. And of course, there are tie-ins to that that we're not going to be focusing on as much like um trail of shadows and eye of the storm both have great sort of fallen star support they did a really good job with this phase ending of giving you every eyes in possible as to what was happening but these themes and it's actually funny that i have the two of you on for this because i remember way back uh, on one of your book clubs one of your first book clubs maybe the second one we were talking about the which are Plug, plug for the Patreon on the Star Wars Explained the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. um, which we'll, you can tell everybody more about that uh, when we're wrapping up about how they can get involved. I remember one of us, one of us, maybe someone else quoted Justin Bolger, who's great and a great follow, um, who was talking about the comparisons between someone like Mace Windu and someone like Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight and how the Joker brought him down to tar level and how if you can do that, you can win. And I feel like that is so much about Uh, so much of what Palpatine did, but Marquion does it in a completely different way where he's isolating them, he's making them question things. He doesn't need to be able to physically beat any of them. The way that he handled Loden Greatstorm, which we'll get into, how he was able to disable his power, how he was able to torture people. Everything is about just using their strengths against them, using their Force Sensitivity against them. He'll never be able to beat any of them, in a fight, and he knows that. It's not like Palpatine. There's no lightsaber. There's no weapon or, or big scene, lots of these books are event focused. And so before we dive into Light of the Jedi as the first part, uh, just to, c- to conclude general thoughts, we know that we love Yan, but who are some of the other character standouts for you? Uh, and why is Porter Angle the very first one? I, I love Porter. Are <laughs> we spe- specifically from Light of the Jedi or the whole era? We could do the whole, the whole three books uh, and then we'll dive into Light of. Yeah, I, I do love Porter. Uh, I missed him in the Fallen Star, but I like that they're using him sparingly as well. As well, um, Loden was awesome, RIP, and Bell uh, and Elzar. I think they're my tops. I, I feel like I could just keep going and keep naming people, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, Loden was also great. You know, we lost him too soon, um, and uh, Orla was. One that I, because I didn't read her f- the first book that she was in, because it was a, I think it was Into the Dark. Yeah, I never read that one. So my this was kind of my first introduction to Orla was in this this last book, Rising Fallen Star, and I really liked her and her and Elzar's stuff was really interesting to me. Like Elzar was basically in like Force Rehab or Jedi Rehab with her, and I loved that. Um, so yeah, her Elzar was great. Uh, Vernestra Rowe I really liked her stuff too and like I'm excited to see a character like her grow up and we get to see her kind of like age up as a Jedi because we we got her in like the young adult or young reader books but she's getting more to do in the main novels
0: yeah absolutely and that that growth is so essential to this entire thing it was it's weird by the time this is over by the time this phase has ended, and specifically this trilogy, realizing how much time you spend with them. Like you're getting to the end and you're like, wow, this it feels almost like a, like a Hogwarts type situation. Like, oh, these kids are not kids. They're talking about love. They're talking about death. They're feeling death. I mean, Bell and Briaga carrying their sections of the end. Um, and again, we told you spoilers, both of them being masterless by the end and one of them being missing. Um, yeah. Just shows how you are um bell twice masterless and Dira is still alive, but comatose at the moment. And then Nibaseek dies and, and Briaga is gone. And so it's like these kids are forced to grow up and become the next generation of heroes. And that's yeah. been, okay. I, I don't want to take it too far out of the Delray novels, but I loved that about Midnight Horizon as well, mm-hmm. where it, wreath was always in the young adult novels but ram was in the middle grade books and then was pulled into a young adult novel and at the start of that book i was like this reads like a middle grade book almost and then by the end of it i was like nope this is full on i, I would say an adult novel like <laughs> yeah. and getting to watch ram grow up was really really neat Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the people that get knighted along the way and the, and the mm-hmm. stuff that they have to deal with, um, the the literal tears for the characters and how bittersweet everything is, it's not. Um, it's funny, at the beginning of this phase, you get lots of really wholesome, sort of radiant type moments when someone is knighted like Keeve early in the Marvel comics. It's, we're, it's all great. Everybody's here. Lightsaber's in the air. And by the end, a knighting is like, here you go kid life sucks uh we'll we'll take your braid uh congrats they're
1: like it's the least we can do you've gone through how many masters now here you go
0: yeah yeah absolutely so let's start with light of the jedi which sets i think two precedents for this entire thing both of which i love the first is oh boy does this book move like a movie it is super cinematic. It's super, it's very different. And I think that's a hard thing for a lot of Star Wars books to do. Even the ones that I love, I think about them sometimes like, it's a Star Wars book, therefore it won't exactly have the pace. Charles Soule said no. I will take a chase scene and stretch it across an entire novel and keep coming back to it and play with time and perspective and just keep this momentum. I mean, The Great Disaster is just an incredible reading experience and listening experience. Um, So it's that. And then it's also the idea of much like Star Wars films. What if we took a couple of events and made those the entire book? So you get great disaster and sort of the chase on El Ferona as like your two iconic things. And then Rising Storm and Fallen Star obviously have their huge iconic moments. So how did you, what are your overall impressions of Light of the Jedi as a kickoff? Um, Are, were you already soul fans? I know that uh, he's obviously super prolific, so I'm gonna assume yes, but still uh, leaving the floor open on him. And what were your takeaways and and favorite moments from this one? Yeah, I was interested to read this. I am a huge fan of his work in comics. The Darth Vader comic, the Lando comic are all very, very good. And I had read The Oracle Year, uh, his first non-Star Wars novel. And I, I thought that was okay. So I was like, I'll be interested to see how he writes a Star Wars novel. And yeah, it blew me away. It's one of my favorite Star Wars books. So yeah, I, I really, really loved what he did.
1: Yeah, I I do love how he really set the tone for The High Republic in a way that is like, you know, look at this amazing time for the Jedi. And really the that whole first book is about like what the Jedi are able to accomplish when they're together. Mm. And, you know, they can be together, work together. And we slowly see that kind of fall apart uh, through the next two books. But that first book is all about like, we can accomplish grand things uh, as the Jedi Jedi that we are right now, because we we work together really well. And the Nile hadn't quite Broken them down, taken them down all those notches yet, so it just it gets you really excited for what's to come in this era. So I like how he kind of set all that up and did a really great job at introducing all these new characters to you, like you said, in a very cinematic way that really kept you interested. so yeah,
0: yeah, the great disaster is just so much, like you said, it's so much fun to read and getting to see uh, Introductions to all these new characters and crazy things that they're doing, uh, like Loden throwing Bell out of a ship, and <laughs> yeah. uh, Avar like connecting all of the Jedi together so they could move this massive object like just a couple centimeters. Or yeah, all that stuff was so much fun. Just seeing them stand in the face of basically a natural disaster, as far as they knew, and saving as many lives as they can at the cost of many of their own was like the perfect introduction to what the Jedi of this era were.
1: And that he, he set up really nicely, like how the force works at this time period. Like everyone just seems more connected to the force. And, he, you know, he writes about how each Jedi kind of sees the force differently. Mm-hmm. And that was like, just so cool to read.
0: I need to go back and read at least parts of Dooku Jedi lost. Cause I think even though it's not a high Republic book specifically, it was written by Kevin Scott and ah, there's something similar that happens in there where there's like, we know this natural disaster is coming and the Jedi are like, Whoo, we got to meditate on this. We got to figure out like if maybe this is will of the force or maybe we should go help or maybe what do we do? And they kind of hem and haw and the natural disaster happens and a lot of lives are lost that could have been avoided. And, the Jedi, I think Kevin Scott probably wrote that on purpose, knowing the great disaster was coming, knowing we would see all of these Jedi be like, no, this is not the will of the force. We can do something about this and we're going to. Yeah, and that's a super interesting point. Just the, the, the preceding of the era and how it informs everything else. It's impossible to talk about any of it without bringing up particularly the prequels. Um, I feel like, you know, D- Daniel Jose Older, uh, m- my friend and yours, that he, he's constantly having to tell people, no, I don't really think about Anakin. No, I, I don't really think about it. Because it's, it's just so easy to be like, well, if Anakin had been treated better like these people, and it's not wrong. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see sort of how um, there are those connections, those parallels. I mean, you think about Dooku ballparking how old he would be at the time of the prequels, and knowing that the Higher Republic ends fifty years prior to Phantom Menace, Dooku was probably one of the last Younglings of the Higher Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, and how you know we they lose their way so quickly and so starkly. I'm curious. You know, Molly, you brought up that point about this is about seeing them at their height, how they work together. And I don't really have a hard line opinion on this, so I guess I'm working out my thoughts out loud while you're working out yours. Do, does it? not bother you, but do you think that it is uh, an okay choice or do you need more time to sit with it or do you want to see how we, when we get back to the present in phase three, how it wraps up, that the prequels is all about we were dragged into a war that we shouldn't have been in, but it had also happened here. Do you think that that is too similar of a theme or do you think that it had to happen once to rattle them?
1: Yeah, I, I think it makes sense that it had to happen once and then you know you think about history as always repeating itself, and how the jedi of the higher public time and then the jedi of the prequel time you just see them kind of making the same or similar mistakes, and it's it's not too similar for me. I think it tells a a bigger story, and it kind of connects a lot of dots uh for the history of of the jedi
0: yeah i th- I think it just shows that you know, one war isn't going to make or break someone, but generations of war are going to change the way that people Mm -hmm. behave and are. And the Jedi order is susceptible to that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the first time they've been warriors either. No, exactly. And that's uh, you know, shout out to Charles Soule again for that Star Wars number 20 with Luke and Elzar being able to have that psychic force conversation, which is just genius and how Elzar... Mm -hmm ties in to that exact theme. It's like we've been everything we've needed to be. And sorry kid, sounds like you were just born at a crappy time. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds like you're you have the what I think is like the, the flickering flame version of the Jedi where you're all mm-hmm. that's left. Now in terms of the world building for this time, um, there are some great small details that tie in exactly to what we're talking about. Like having Opo Rancissus and Yariel Poof on the council. Because that is A, cool, because they're long-lived and it's nice to see them, but it also adds a little bit of that frustration, especially when Yariel has such great insights in Light of the Jedi about peace and justice and about what that means and that, you know, with that peace without justice is a fragile peace, it's built on tyranny, and he's got all this good stuff to say. And then you flash forward to Phantom Menace and you're like, would you speak up? Would you say something like, (laughs) I know you can, I know you got a big brain. What's wrong with
1: you? It's like having family members who, you know, grew up during the civil rights movement. And now they're just like curmudgeon um, old people who are just like so set in their ways. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very similar to that. And yeah, it's frustrating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So with that, what are some other world building things along that line that you really enjoyed about this and you could take this wherever you want and Obviously, explaining is your business. So there's tons of stuff that you've taken uh, the dives into, be that the big emphasis on hyperspace, be that the fact that we have a progressive chancellor here, which is another thing that is wonderful to experience, but then adds that frustration of like, wow, not only it wasn't like we had, you know, a meh chancellor, like we had the the goat chancellor, the best, (laughs) um, and how far we felt. What kinds of things were you picking up on uh, in this first book? Yeah, I just I think I like just the setting of them expanding. Where they've they've said like we've tried to expand into the outer rim before, and there's been pushback, and they're they're trying again, and they're trying to do things differently. So I, I think it's an interesting time period. It still is a little weird. I agree with people where it's like so much of the galaxy is unexplored and it's only 200 years prior, but like, whatever.
1: (laughs) That's just how technology works though. Like once you figure out a form of technology, it seems to like progress really quickly. Uh, But yeah, I like all the hyperspace stuff, like the Santec, like learning about the Santecas. I think that happens in the first one.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Learning about hyperspace prospectors. And now like we've gotten into like competing families of prospectors and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's mm. like, it's like the old tycoons that, you know, <laughs> s- struck oil uh, somewhere. It's like seeing these people, these families that kind of like uh, broke into this this new thing about hyperspace. And But we're thinking like, oh, well, everyone uses hyperspace now. It's not really a big thing, but it's <laughs> cool to see these kind of original families that discovered how to use it, how to profit off of it, uh, and all that stuff.
0: Those like Rockefeller types, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely in that same vein. That's a great point, and and yeah. In that in that first book, in Light of the Jedi, you get Marlowe and Bellus, and they have that conversation, which also ties into the villain plot. After Avar and Elzar leave, and they're like. Hyperspace disaster, huh? Do you think it could be? Nah, it couldn't. It couldn't be. It couldn't be Mari That's that got crazy. That'd be. That'd be wild. Uh, and of <laughs> course, we already know it is, and how that plays into sort of the mythology where she is force sensitive, but she's, you know, she's also the savant and the super genius, and how she's taken advantage of. All of that plays in, and Alex, to your point about is it weird that you know it's two hundred years prior. Yeah, like we're discovering Bacta too. Like penicillin was discovered. Like we have Tylenol now, like all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's a little bit weird, but I. it makes me wonder, just like I'm the larger canon side of things. Um, is it possible that we had reached these heights before and, and we had a, a greater mastery? And then in the same way that like in our real life, that the Romans had cement and then there was no cement for a long time, And then it was rediscovered, and like the secrets lost to time. Like, if we go back to the old Republic, will that, you know, will that seem similar to this? You know, it's interesting to see them set it up and and pick the years that they picked. For sure, I I think the way I've been seeing it is that maybe a lot of the galaxy has been discovered. They're just not part of the Republic because it does seem like a lot of what Chancellor So wants to do is just expand the Republic. So. I imagine that most of the planets we're familiar with are known. They're out there. I mean, we know that Moraband, for example, has to have been around for a long, long time. So I think it's more about just the expansion of the government rather than actual... Exploration, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see in uh, in Rising Storm, jumping a little bit ahead, how the the Tagruda's are being greeted at the fair, and how that's a big moment with their queen, um, who's was really fun character. So, uh, in light of the Jedi, we're introduced to our big three in varying capacities. It, I think they do a great job across all the books of, okay, you're going to sit this one out and be more of a side character. Okay, you're going to come to the forefront, um, even though it is still a lot. But this is your Avar heavy book. This has a heavy amount of Briaga, has a good amount of Porter and Bell. Obviously, this is really the, the first and last hurrah of, of Loden Great Storm in a lot of ways, although he's popped up in different perspectives here and there, a couple of different short stories. Um, so w- what character journeys and moments were you gravitating toward in this early book? Obviously, it's a very young Bell. I know we have brought him up and there's a lot of, a lot of introductions being thrown at you. So who is your your eyes in in this first one
1: I think Belle and Loden's relationship definitely was like the highlight relationship for that first book uh because like we said like Loden is just like the the ideal kind of like Jedi and he he was funny and he had this like cool personality and Belle was really cool so I I loved how just like the two of them Got along and how Loden was, you know, teaching him all these different lessons. Uh, So, those two, I think. And then Avar was another big one because she was just someone that a lot of people looked up to. And the way that she kind of saw the Force and the way that she brings all the Jedi together to use the Force was really unique. Mm.
0: I I was going to say Bell and Loden as well. I I remember every time it would skip away from Elfrona and like the chase and everything happening there. I'd be like, how many pages until we get back to that? Uh, I I really, really enjoyed Bell and Loden, um, which I think was absolutely the point. I think they knew what was going to happen. So they're like, we're going to spend a lot of time with them in this book.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it really is uh, fleshed out and, and not dissimilar to obi-wan and qui-gon where it's like we have to show sort of the coming of age but you know it's like do the parents and do the parents in disney animated movies have to die no but they they do like it's they do do for the story (laughs) and it's it's the same in star wars like it reminds me of a this is obviously a different kind of character but in the first mandalorian gallery they're joking about the the pieta quill holding ig11 and then rick found was like and you killed them both john and john's like yeah well if you don't it doesn't mean as much it's like they, they have to go like and and all the masters go through that everyone from this era all the way down to ray she loses luke she loses leia and it's 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 part of it so um it's almost like as there's these seeds of bell's you know, fear of falling and the practice of falling in this first book and how that plays in everything that him and Porter and Indira are telling him on Elfrona, all these relationships, there's almost like a looming dread of something gonna die here. And they tease you with Porter, where there's like there's an action scene where Porter seems like he's gonna go out. And that makes too much sense, almost like, this legendary blade of Bardana, this gunslinger, he's, he's cooking and oh, he's almost retired, but he still wants to be kind of useful. (laughs) Like, Oh no, he's going to go out. I love this guy. And then he's completely safe throughout the entire phase. Nothing bad ever (laughs) happens to him. It's, it's the people that you don't expect. And we'll get into a lot more of that uh, as we go on. But before we're too far into the weeds, I want to ask you both, and this just popped into my head. So I didn't prep uh, Alex or Molly for this question. How would, the jedi versions of alex and molly damon see the force i i kind of think i would see it almost like the matrix as a data Mm. stream of some kind (laughs) Mm. (laughs) yeah just just facts and figures branching together not like an adobe premiere like a timeline right. like <laughs> <yeah, laughs> what I, I see anyway
1: <laughs> uh i forget what i've said about this in the past i think i went with like music or a song kind of kind of like um
0: avar <laughs> a- yeah
1: avar uh but maybe like a little bit different something involving nature a little bit too i don't know maybe some, oh maybe like beat saber I see it like that.
0: I see it like Beat Saber, (laughs) which honestly, at this point in in the higher public, we've seen hollow vids, we've seen pop stars, we've seen all this stuff. It would not surprise me if they had (laughs) some sort of the youngling version of Beat Saber on Starlight. (laughs) That'd be fantastic. Um, And then off off of that, this book, particularly Light of the Jedi with Porter Angle, they established that, yeah, they're older Jedi that are maybe not as, you know, battle ready anymore because of their age, but they find different ways to be useful. Um the bake off special shows an actual Jedi retirement home ship, which I loved. And Porter is choosing an outpost position now. They also say that they were Jedi architects that built the Elfrona outpost and, and the other ones. There are lots of Jedi's with different specializations. And Dira is supposed to be one of the most ace pilots that they have. What kind of Jedi would you be in this time? I I don't know if I could do this, but reading about emiric Kaftor and trail of shadows i'd i'd want to be an investigator that sounds like fun mm. solve crimes with my little like beady kind of unit yeah yeah
1: i'm gonna go pop star
0: for sure <laughs> a way seeker then yeah the way seeker <laughs> pop star that's right i forgot about that one <laughs> they did mention the way secret pop star that's true the force really wants me to be famous yeah so that's so what i'm gonna go do
1: i'm just <laughs> gonna just... write books and and yeah be in hollow episodes of stuff i'm, I'm gonna start like the re the first reality show of the high republic i want to i want to be in all that stuff <laughs> like, oh yeah i'm a jedi name. but i'm gonna be over here doing fun stuff
0: your jedi <laughs> name is lady gaga but it's spelled with like apostrophes like L yeah. apostrophe, A apostrophe, D-I-E. Like, God.
1: Yeah.
0: G-A hyphen G-A. I think they've mentioned them twice, this pop star Wayseeker. And every time I just, I have like fantasies about a scene where they return to the council. Like, okay, I'm done Wayseeking. Oh, what did you do? Oh, just a couple number one albums. Like, <laughs> uh, did you do anything to help anybody? But I gave them joy. Yeah. I, you
1: know. Music helps a lot of yeah. people.
0: Yeah, I helped entertain people while you were sitting here Um, and immediately just different that that, all those different perspectives, the funny ones and the real ones that are introduced in this book really threw me in a good way. Again, it's hard not to think about what if Anakin was here? Like he could have been a pod racing Jedi or something like that. A mechanic Jedi. Anakin could have been Ram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he could have been in a workshop living his life. uh, And it's just so easy to, to make those comparisons. Um, This also gives us our introduction to Mark Yonro and to the structure of the Nile. And they do lots of bad things. The the Great Disaster, of course, being their sort of grand emergence. Uh, Molly, you made the point about his youth and about his his sort of snake-like delivery. Very, like, Littlefinger meets young Werner Herzog-type feeling. Um, How did you feel sort of about the way he was introduced? did you think that he was going to be as big a threat as he would end up being? Or did you think that, you know, because at the time, it's hard to put ourselves back in that place now um, <laughs> because we know so much, but I remember at the time thinking, "This young guy's interesting, but I don't think they'll play their hand. Uh, this early. I don't think he'll be the main guy. There's this power struggle. We knew that the, the mysterious Drengir were coming. I thought they were going to be maybe uh, the bigger thing because they were dark side. Um, so, how did you feel sort of about the way that that was all seated uh, as we got through the great disaster and toward the capture of Loden toward the end of the book? I think I wasn't fully sold until his last couple scenes and it might have been his last scene with Loden where he said like yeah I was the one that did the distress call like I lured you to that I made sure you were there Uh, and I've got all these people I'm torturing and I've got your lightsaber now and I've got this weird purple relic like all that stuff I was like okay this dude's got a plan Uh, it's not all complete chaos he's using it as a mask
1: really Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it's funny you mentioned Game of Thrones. That's kind of what I was thinking of, that he was, like, not as boisterous as as other villains, and he was kind of, like, quieter and seemed, like, more in control. And I kind of figured from the start that he just had he, – he was kind of like Palpatine. He just had all these plans and, like, a lot of different things in motion, but maybe he hadn't put those things in motion yet, but he had all those plans – and yeah, by the end of the book, you're like, okay, this guy must know what he's doing. And I really want to know more about that relic that he has. And yeah, it just, it kind of builds through that first book. And by the end of it, you're like, all right, yeah, this guy, this guy is pure evil.
0: Yeah, he's he's very, very compelling. And um, before we move away from Light of the Jedi and talk about some of his other, uh, you know, bullet points on his resume, other things that Markian got up to in this, I think it's just a year of In Galaxy time, I believe, because I, I I don't know that for sure. Alex, you might know, but... I don't think they've said specifically. I would guess yeah. 18 months, maybe two years. Yeah, yeah, because I think the, the best way to tell, and again, someone listening might know exactly, but I think the best way to tell is by watching the kids. I think that Zine and Lula, I think somewhere along the way they said something like, that give indication. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of greatest hits for Marquion in this amount of time, but focusing sort of just before we get away from it on that Elfrona chase, on all of that action, on all of sort of that, that big cinema, um, for that to be the ending and for it to be such a strong sort of cliffhanger of, we have more questions than answers. We have our master missing, Bell's devastated, There's really no definitive victories except for the villains. And it's the first part. Normally those are all things you can use to describe a part two. And we will, we will, we'll have more questions then. But getting to the end of this one, starting off a trilogy with not a Phantom Menace uh, peace orb moment. There's not a Yavin metal ceremony moment. There's not a Force Awakens, okay, go find Luke moment. There's nothing definitive or rousing. And the High Republic does that a lot. And this sort of set a tone. How did you feel about that, of realizing, wow, okay, it's over, and I am being thrust in, time to buy this book, this book, and this comic, and all that.
1: Oh, yes. It's, actually, it's very a smart thing to do for getting people interested in continuing to read about what is going to happen. Because, yeah, I was immediately like, Okay, when's the next book coming
0: out? I was about to disagree with you. And then I kept thinking and I was like, no, you're right. Because th- they, they have like the opening ceremony or whatever of Starlight Beacon where I was like, that, that was a bit of a moment yeah. of yeah. hope and everyone is like back together. And as far as they knew, they thought they had beaten the Nile. They just wiped out Cassiv's Tempest. Yeah. Um, but they were like, wait, we had a victory
1: it was light. all there's good until people.
0: Elzar and Avar went yeah to the and thing. then yeah. I was like oh yeah but then there's that epilogue <laughs> and it's like that's no good at all
1: <laughs> pretty yeah. devastating yeah. yeah
0: and they and they really tee it up hard like they all of the authors are really good at playing things until the very last page I've never seen last pages as <laughs> impactful as these last pages yeah because that one is the oh, let's go sneak off. And I'm like, oh, they're going to smooch uh, or, <laughs> or other things. Um, and then it's like, oh, I'm getting promoted. Not going to see you as much. I was like, oh, that's sad. And then you get to the last pitch. Oh, my God. Like, wow. He's having a vision so intense that it's like, feels like he's being, you know, destroyed from the inside out. He's this fear, this horror. And uh, it would continue to be topped uh, as, we, as we went along. I really want to reread these books at some point. i got to find the time because I feel like they're, or I already know that they did a lot of foreshadowing and stuff, even as early oh, yeah. as Light of the Jedi. And I'm like, was one of the eaters was in, in Starlight at that point? Like what sparked such an intense vision or was it just the force? Or I'm like, I wonder if there's clues somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now we're all sort of privy to what they're doing and we're reading things and we're like, Oh, a hundred years ago on Dalna, you say, right? Well,
1: yeah. Oh, like, like, I was wondering
0: <laughs> through all the books. I was like, why do they keep talking about this down a place?
1: <laughs> like, Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. And then we get the big reveal. 150 years in the past. Mm-hmm. I was like, you guys, you guys <laughs> and your plans. They're too um, smart for us. They are. They are now. We're, like I cannot wait. I mean, I don't want it to be over. And I'm hoping that we get to the end of phase three. And then they announce a phase four. Like, of course, <laughs> like everybody wants that to happen, but I do want at some point for there to be like Disney gallery, the higher public, and just let us watch oh, yeah. some of that footage. The footage that we keep seeing on mute of them all at Skywalker <laughs> and Pablo Hidalgo is there. Like, give me that, but with audio. That'd be really fun. Yeah. They're
1: It'd like, be... okay, well we want to kill this person, but we don't know when, <laughs> but we're, we're definitely going to kill these brave people. And here's when and and... Matt
0: Martin's like, don't you dare do that. <laughs> like we're gonna, <laughs> we're
1: gonna do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. the The Daniel Jose older tweeting like, that Matt Martin tells him that you can't say cool as much. And so he's like, fine, I'm just going to put wizard on Wizards. every time. Wizard, <laughs> wizard, 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 wizard. Are you happy now? <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. And and the the language and everything of these books sort of gets established here in Light of the Jedi. And I think that what all three of them do and all the different age groups and comics as well is that it, I think it could have fallen into the trap of sort of like what certain Thor comics fall into where, because it's, older or more fantasy authors feel like they have to throw in thighs and vows and that it has to be very like inaccessible and sometimes you can do that really well like going to like the KOTOR games characters like Kreia um and, and and people like Darth Bane and stuff like that that we've read are still accessible speech but these characters they feel like it's 200 years but it's 200 years in Star Wars time so it's like this is really like the equivalent of like our grandparents they still speak normally they still joke they still l- love they're still you know horny uh it's like it's sometimes very much so in fact the
1: higher public is super horny yeah oh
0: it's <laughs> this whole era is just i mean reed silas every time reed silas meets an attractive <laughs> young woman
1: <laughs> a girl <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: yeah whether it's with vernestra whether it's with nan whether it's with crash reed's just like oh, buddy, I just, I need to have a date with something. Uh, (laughs) Something, anything, (laughs) (laughs) a droid, something. Um, And I appreciated sort of like how colloquial and normal a lot of it felt. Like, yes, I'm an ancient legendary Jedi. Would you like to try my soup? Like, (laughs) uh, it had a lot of that Star Wars fun. So as we're wrapping up Light of the Jedi, let's move into that middle chapter here with the rising storm, which I think quickly showed that in these sequential arcs, your Delray trilogy, your middle grade trilogy, whether or not the author was changing, they were able to put their spin on it, quickly realized that because Cavan opens this one up with a lot of eldritch horror as Moody <laughs> Diss is dragged before the leveler and Mark Jan's like, I'm just using you for a test. Like, I just wanted to see if this would work and how horrific it is. Charles does lots of stuff with getting into the minds of villains. He's done that a lot with Vader and he will continue to do that a lot even in his non-Star Wars work and really establishing sort of character relationships. And Cavan is very pulpy in the way that he writes and um, very much into, I mean, he's written a lot of Doctor Who and he's into sort of that horror and that old school vibe. And I think that he took a lot of the action stuff of Light of the Jedi and thought, okay, we had that long chase in Ulfrona. What if the majority of my book was chaos and one giant action sequence? And you can feel like with The Great Disaster that the fair is gonna get attacked. You just know it's gonna happen. But my goodness, this one just takes it up to probably our highest action heights that we've seen outside of something like you know a major Clone Wars arc. It is just bodies everywhere. Everyone's doing something. Everything is stressful. Um, and then there's also all the other stuff, the politics, the horniness, the dark side, the appearance of Ty Yorick, and, and a little bit of Ram. What are your overall thoughts on Rising Storm? This is way more of the Stellan and, a- and Elzar hour than it is Avar, as she went on to handle the Huts. So where do you stand on this one? I can't decide if it's my favorite or second favorite. It's like Light, light of the Jedi and the Rising Storm are just so neck and neck for me, but I Think I read The Rising Storm a lot faster, especially once you hit the second half. I remember the first time, the first half of it, I was like, eh, "It's not like as exciting as Light of the Jedi," and then I was a fool. And <laughs> <laughs> when we hit that that attack, and it just never ever stops. Uh, so yeah, you had to balance it out with a little more peace on the front end.
1: Mm-mm.
0: But I, I don't think I'm ever going to forget how reading that book made me feel. So I, I probably need to put that is the number one for me
1: yeah uh there's just so much of a sense of dread for everyone in this middle book because like yeah there there is a lot of action and a lot of stuff going on uh and then the 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 fair is happening and everyone is kind of in this middle ground of like okay there's a lot going on and like we gotta figure out what the Nile are planning like we got to just figure out a bunch of stuff so everyone is kind of on edge in this book uh I love Elzar's Elzar and Stellan stuff in this book their relationship is is really adorable to me because they're I don't know they have this funny way of kind of like egging each other on but also they're Mm -hmm. just best buds so they have a cool little bromance uh going on but yeah this book takes it up to an insane level and kind of just keeps it there until the very end, and you're left just kind of like a hollow shell of yourself afterwards.
0: So (laughs) I think I'm I'm trying trying to remember a dusty husk. A dusty (laughs) husk,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm trying to remember someone drew, like, a little graph of their heart rate, like, supposedly when they were reading (laughs) Light of the Jedi, and it, like, started really high, and then it went low, and then stayed, like, low, and then middle, and then it, like, went up a little bit at the end and then rising storm was like, "Eh, it's like in the middle it's low. And then like it jumps up to the max and then it stays there. And then right at the very end, it goes boop and like jumps up beyond max a little bit more. (laughs) It
1: breaks the ceiling. Yeah,
0: It's so true. I mean, it, it, you know, talk about cinematic. It is so grim and it's not without hope. It's not without fun and charm. And it, Ty Yorick brings a lot of that with sort of that, I'm not beyond Wayseeker. I quit. I'm I'm ex-Jedi entirely. Mm -hmm. And she has that swagger of being sort of like having one foot in the mystical, but one foot in the underworld type stuff and being for hire. This is a job for her, but she has emotional moments and there's fun with characters like Stellan sort of having been promoted to the council and now being poster boy sort of stuff we would see later on with Obi-Wan and Anakin as like Jedi that gain reputations and become celebrities, be that, you know, Skywalker, the poster boy, or Obi-Wan, the negotiator, like Stellan gets that reputation and that plays all the way to the end with that emotional moment with Lena So and how that becomes the rallying moment for the entire Republic. Uh, there's great Eisen stuff with real Dairo who is this journalist that is following Stellan throughout and how that plays into sort of like that boots on the ground, normal person perspective. So there's tons of stuff going on here. I'm curious if there's any moments that stick out to you, any anything that you look back on um, and we'll talk about the ending in and of itself. put that one on the shelf for right now uh, about the the devastating uh, <laughs> of giving us giving us lifted back just to smack them out of our hand one more time. But before that, are there things that stick out to you with any of these characters that we that we really love?
1: uh i have a big one elzar's one night stand (laughs) sticks out to me specifically the moment where he's like "Ah, they they have us wear all these robes and there's a reason why there's so many of them they're hard to take off and that's that part was just hilarious to me
0: yeah absolutely it's like one of those things where you know that like lucasfilm publishing and like del rey it's like hey (laughs) yeah they they can't do it over there in tv and movies but over here can answer all the questions that you've been wondering
1: (laughs) yeah and yeah it's it's important to see that the the jedi at this time some of them are having one night stands and then you see him kind of like the morning after doing the walk of shame just like having all these regrets and having to just sit with all of his emotions of like what he's done and what it means for him as a jedi it's it, it it's really humanizing for the for the Jedi of that time, and it's it's great for his story, but it's also great for the whole time itself.
0: Mm-hmm. The the moment that jumped in my head was when communications are reestablished between all the Jedi, uh, thanks to Ram in his book. But then they can all talk to each other, and there's a little bit of like an on your left moment where. Yeah. You, get to, you don't get to see everyone, but everyone's like, so-and-so standing by and it's all the people from all the different comics and books that we've heard about. And Buckets of Blood is on the scene. <laughs> like, yeah. Even the goofy stuff, it was like, yeah, this is fun. Like everyone's here, everyone's contributing. I liked that a lot. I think it's in that moment that you get one of my favorite, because they play with perspective so well, right? You'll Sometimes you'll get a scene and then you'll get the same scene, but from the ground or from a different, especially in the battles. I believe it's Indira. It's one of the women. I believe it's Indira that is like, is that Porter Angle surfing on a vector in the sky? (laughs) And then they're like, of course it is. Like, they're not even surprised that like, yep, that tracks. He would do something that cool that even other Jedi are like, whoa, like (laughs) Porter Angle surfing in the sky. Like it, it puts them on the same level as us. And Mm -hmm. makes us, makes it feel very human. And and Molly, to your example, tying in with that, puts them on the same level as us where we've made mistakes and everybody's had a relationship that went sour, at least in some form. Everybody's had a regretful moment. It's not always going to be walk of shame. Could be anything, could be career related, whatever. But that puts Elzar on a very human, like that that type of scene could be from any type of novel, Star Wars or otherwise, real world. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels... Like it's tying in with later themes, stuff that I think even some fans have a hard time accepting where you hear it a lot with the Luke stuff. Like, well, why would Luke struggle in the sequels? He became, he said, I'm, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. tossed the saber aside. It's like, yeah, you got the rest of your life to live. Elzar became a yeah. knight. Doesn't mean he's going to like not struggle. And I thought it was important to, to show that. That's a thing that modern canon has done so well, High Republic or not. You see that mm-hmm. with Qui-Gon and Master and an Apprentice where he gets offered this council seat and huge crux of the book is him being like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do with this kid, Obi-Wan. I don't know if he doesn't resonate with me. And um, By the way, point about Qui-Gon, I've joked off air and I will say it on air. Qui-Gon, absolutely. It's canon in my mind. His room at the Jedi Temple is Elzar's old room. That's <laughs> that's the cool kid room. That's yeah. the r- rule breaker room. They were like, no, nope, this kid, you're sleeping in the Elzar bunk. It's messy <laughs> stuff happened in there
1: it's like the hey arnold room of jedi rooms everybody yes. wanted it yeah it had like the coolest the layout yeah. yeah
0: absolutely wow what a great what a great reference that was a great room <laughs> i haven't thought about that everybody in years. wanted that room
1: you can't yeah. tell me otherwise <laughs> it's fantastic
0: um but yeah the the whole the whole humanization of these characters i feel like this has somewhat less of that nile perspective because I think they were saving sort of the marquee big reveals for the ad. You just sort of know that he's working on something. Mm -hmm. He's working on some kind of big plan and that is seated throughout. There's this creature. What is he doing? How did that mystery sort of play for you throughout um, with him and utter sound and the cutaways to Loden? few that they are, but they're there where he's having this mental connection and it's a surprise that it's with Mari Santeca. How did that all play with you? I I loved all the loaded stuff. I mean, most 90% of the loaded stuff, (laughs) all of it, but the end where I, I, I mean, I didn't like seeing tortured or anything, but I definitely think that kind of the point of his character was that he was like the ideal Jedi. Like Molly said, the best of the best incorruptible, you couldn't break him. Uh, He was having a very, very rough go of it. But he remained with the light.
1: Loden's no good, very bad day.
0: <laughs> very bad year.
1: Very bad time.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was rough to watch, but I really liked seeing him continue to be someone you could root for. I mean, so many people were guessing like, oh, Loden's going to go to the dark side. He's going to be tortured into the dark side. And then they'll have to fight him or something. And I'm like, I love that they did not do that.
1: Mm-hmm. And that
0: instead they made you root so hard. Like when you're, oh my God, they're on the same planet. Oh my God, Bell senses Loden. He knows he's there. Like rooting for that uh, reuniting, reunion, that's the word. (laughs) (laughs) Rooting for that reunion was so, so much fun.
1: Yeah, I felt pretty much the same the whole time. Just being like, man, Loden was a great guy. Still is a great guy, great Jedi. And the poor guy just went through so much and they You know, they do such a good job at really uh, getting into just how tortured he felt and how tortured he was that whole time, Uh, which, of course, just makes the end so much worse. Um, But I loved all the leveler stuff and I was like, so, so intrigued and still am. You know, I, I cannot wait to get more information about these creatures and, you know, they, they kind of very slowly give us these little tidbits here and there. But just the, the way it kind of starts, you start to see, to see these patterns of, like, how different Jedi are feeling, like, this, like, unbelievable feeling of fear and just how it's affecting all the different Jedi. It's it's crazy to read.
0: Yeah, it's inter- I hadn't thought about this until you just said it, but it, it does kind of go back to the idea that all of the Jedi feel the Force in a different way. And it's like they all feel the level leveler in a different way as well.
1: Yeah, and they all see it kind of differently, which we don't really see until the comics, but yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it becomes a very, and that's so much of like what Star Wars is because in the same way that the Sith sort of like Palpatine will prey on what he knows will work for each person. Like this is a creature that does that by instinct. It reminds me, it's not dissimilar to like a boggart in either yeah. actual folklore and Potter lore and stuff like that. It just, it plays so, um, it's so mythic, but it's also, it is, a, it is an animal. And so there's like that biological element to it as well. How do you feel, and this this will branch a little bit out of the trilogy and that's totally fine. How do you feel on premise about force creatures that are like this. I know you did uh, some coverage on this in, in recent videos. You talked sort of about how there's the Salamiri sort of like that'll come to people's minds if they've been a fan for a long time and consumed legends. I vastly prefer these. I think that they're, I think that leaving some of it at the dark and leaving it into like this lost history. And Rick Kaftor gets into that a lot. Um, I think it plays really well. It's definitely risky to come in and say like, cause on paper, if you had, imagine, imagine that getting out and being on Star Wars Twitter, like <laughs> there are creatures that will turn force users to dust. Like it sounds like, wow, that is so 90s legends, but at the same time, it just works.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah. I never blinked at it. I was just, I was just into it and I was devastated when we lost Loden. Yeah. I prefer this to the Salamary. I was also someone that never had an issue with the Salamary. It seems like that was just George Lucas that didn't want it creatures to exist outside of the force, And I understand that. So I, I don't really see them as the same thing, I guess, like in the fact that it'll block the force, but I just, I don't see the, the nameless as blocking the force. They're just consuming it and they, they exist fully within it. And even, I guess, uh, spark more of it. They spark so much fear mm-hmm. that, that I, I just see them working as completely different creatures. So I don't, I know why people are comparing them to the Salamiri so much, but I'm like, no, they're pretty different.
1: Yeah. They just, they feel like something older than anything that we really know of so far in canon. And they've always been really intriguing to me. And I have this wild theory that we're going to find, well, obviously we'll find out more about them, but I have this theory that like, they were some kind of species that the Jedi tried to, live among and like learn more about and use the force with them and something crazy happened and the jedi were like we're gonna bury these somewhere far <laughs> far away and not write about them in any books and no one can know what happened to them like all that stuff's gonna come back yeah. and bite them in the ass I-, I
0: would not be surprised to find out you're right mm-hmm. because they
1: because if they're force related the jedi had to know about them at some point i would i would think
0: yeah. i uh, was it a uh, mission to disaster they talk about what happened on dalna and they're trying to look it up and they're like nope they're buried in the archives yeah. and only certain people can look at that and I like maybe dalna has something to do with the nameless mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you might be right but also in eye of the storm we see where markian gets them from and it's freaking trippy it's like yeah it's it's like a mortis or uh like the wellspring of life that yoda goes to i'm like this is weird it's like mortis meets like pandora from avatar like every single thing is alive and the he's like I think one of the dials like, like, I think the planet's trying to kill us. And Mark Allen's like, yes, that's correct. Yep. (laughs) And and the art style is even different. Like Mm -hmm. all of the characters are standing on this planet and everything around them looks just weird. Yeah, it's it's really wild. And I love that theory, Molly. And it's very similar to something that I had been considering about them. I think that lately it's hard not to think a lot. I mean, obviously this is not Dave Filoni's realm, but because of him, it's hard not to think about a lot of Star Wars in Lord of the Rings terms. We have a mithril vest for Grogu and different things <laughs> like that. When you think about, when I think about the Nameless, I immediately think about the Balrog. And, and the Balrog, spe- specifically of, of Morgoth, the one in khazad Doom uh, in Moria that takes Gandalf out. And how when you look into Tolkien lore, the Balrog is not just this, he is a big beast, but him and Gandalf are sort of equals there are both of these Maya and these higher beings and everything. And I wonder if it's something like that, where the nameless be that the Jedi tried to interact with them at one point, like you said, or or if they are effectively anti-Jedi, like these things that were, that harnessed the, the dark in the same way that, you know, the Jedi harnessed the light, or if they were birthed from the same way, or if these are, um, some, something at some point gone wrong that they are so antithetical but they're from the same sort of um, cut from the same cloth. It would be really interesting to know sort of how that happens. We've had a couple mentions of a Darth Crawl from uh, Dooku Jedi Lost and the High Republic comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm wondering if apparently he was part of this, the Sith group that originally defeated the gear So I'm wondering maybe oh he was also part of uh one of the lost he, 20 it, it said like yeah he was one of the lost 20 and it said that he tamed the nightmare conjunction whatever that is but nightmare conjunction seems like it could be involved in the creation of the nameless or something like that yeah I'm wondering if they were just experimenting with making these creatures and it's like oh well we made the drin gear on accident we made the nameless on accident and they're just like messing around and making yeah. all these monsters
1: oof yeah
0: yeah it is it is definitely first of all nightmare conjunction is just awesome like that just that's a i love when star wars is band names like it's (laughs) it's, those things just get said like to be that's such a cabin thing too like you you could you could have told me oh there's a thing called nightmare conjunction i'd be like oh that's a cabin comic right uh (laughs) it just feels so pulpy and so dark it like the nightmare the conjunction is like what they listen to on Exegol, like, that's totally mm-hmm. what those, those weird scientists are rocking out to. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin does that so constantly that I can't tell anymore whether he's setting things up or just saying something cool. Like, <laughs> I just throw this name out here, and I effortlessly made it sound awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and then the way that they're dodgy, like, oh, there's a Master Trennis in the last 20? Is that Keeve? Maybe. Like <laughs> a insert DJ. Maybe um, it's, it's <laughs> definitely, definitely intriguing. And I love that the mystery is unfolding this way. And in a, in a later podcast, we'll get into midnight horizon uh, and, and in some form I'll be discussing that and how Yoda does say like, we need to look to the past to figure some stuff out um, and calls everybody back to Coruscant. But before that can happen, Valo, everything's going to hell. Uh, there's, there's, beautiful stuff with Bell, sort of having to really step up become more of an adult there's incredible stuff with stellan stellan dual wielding his master's lightsaber and his own spinning one of them so many one-on-one battles within the battle um ty Yorick and elzar having that moment of connection with these massive dragon-esque creatures i forget their actual creature name yeah, I'm not gonna, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah <we laughs> remember. everybody remembers the dragons, they're Star Wars dragons, and uh, <laughs> that was just an incredible moment. So, it all leads uh, to this ending, and we're gonna talk about this before we move into the last section about Fallen Star. I talked about intense last pages, they had me. You know, I've heard some, I've heard two reactions. Some people say it was too good to be true, and I felt like he was gonna die, and then there are what I call suckers. And I was a sucker. I was a person that was reading this, like, yes, yes, because when he dives out, because it's not an easy escape. It's not like he just snuck out. Like Markyao knows he's escaping, and he has to almost kill Utterson, throws him back through glass or whatever, and he dives out. And Bell sees him falling. Beautiful parallel there. That it, now it's Loden falling instead of Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, you know, they're on the ground together. And I was. I could hear the boys are back in town playing. I was, I was so excited. They, they do really human touches of making Bell again, very much like the reader. Like, oh, you know, his leku are cut off, but it's okay with, pros- with cybernetic prosthetics. It'll be fine. Like Bell's mind is all over the place about how he can make sure this guy's okay until he's not. Uh, <laughs> so how did that entire, uh, I think it's the last 10 pages. How did that play for you? I don't know if I was a sucker or not. I mean, I was definitely like, go, go, go. We can do this. You can, you can make it, you can do this. And I just, the, my most vivid memory of that book is having it on the Kindle. And just like, I kept looking down at like the percentage and the, you have three minutes left in this book. And I'm like, okay, two minutes left. Come on, you're all, you can do it. You're there. Like one minute left. We're we're doing this. Zero minutes left. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh.
1: It it makes me feel like I'm playing a video game and you're like in the very end of a level and you're just like button mashing, <laughs> trying to get to wherever you need to go. And you're like holding the controller out. You're just like, please just go faster. <laughs> and
0: it, you're leaning with it. <laughs> yeah, you're leaning
1: with it. And it just, it hits you. And I th- think, so I kind of knew what was going to happen to Loden because you had mentioned something about it, and I wasn't that worried about spoilers. I think I d-
0: was like, I need to talk to th- to uh, someone about this. <laughs> he, need, he
1: needed to get some emotions out. And I was like, go ahead and tell me. I'm sure I'll still be surprised, which I was. <laughs> so I kind of knew about it, but I almost just forgot while I was reading that last p- and I was like, was Alex messing with me? So I was like reading and I was like, oh, no, that actually happened. And then, yeah, you just have to, just, like, sit there with your thoughts for a moment and just, like, oh, okay, well, I'm devastated now. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I haven't had a book do that to me in a long time, if ever.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've i never seen anything, like, like playing it that close, making you wait, and then, you know, and, and Stellan Geos was afraid, like, and then and then it's just over. And yeah. even more so than with Light of the Jedi, like it was like, oh, you thought the Elzar vision was scary? Well, we're gonna crank it all the way up to eleven, and you're gonna be stuck with this. Way more questions um, than answers. It was an epic battle. It's it does such a masterful job, I think, throughout the book of pacing it, where it's all pre-valo fair, and then the valo fair goes to hell. Then it's like, okay, this is kind of over, but oh, we found their hideout. Like, let's gonna do a small siege now. And then the heroes are on the offensive and it's like, yeah, I can hear the star Wars theme. And then it's, Oh God, no. Um, it's just a, a really, just a good sort of whiplash um, tonally and uh, nobody gets what they want. Everybody's in a worse place. Elzar man has brushed with the dark um, bell in the, in the actual fetal position in tears Indira and in shock Stellan falls to his knees. There's nothing goes right. Probably the, I think, I feel confident in saying the most impactful, devastating middle chapters since Empire. It's just, it's on that level of of sort of just heinousness. So I was wondering a lot going into the next waves, of course, but specifically Fallen Star. Who was going to write it? What was going to happen? What would become of these characters? And then we get the announcement a few months prior that Book three from Del Rey is going to be by Claudia Gray, which in and of itself is a big announcement because Claudia carries with her a massive Star Wars aura pedigree. And then they announced the title is The Fallen Star. And that, that title could have been called Spoilers. Like yeah. that, That's like, to put it out there up front is was terrifying because it's like, wow, if they feel comfortable telling us the beacon's going down, and there was some speculation like, is it metaphorical or not? I was like, I feel like it's not at all. It is, uh, and also it's not. It's yeah. like Yeah, it, it is and it isn't. Yeah, there's there are some actual stars that fall. Um, and this book, I think, is, again, much like the first one felt very Charles. Then, you know, you had the one that felt very Cabin. This feels very Claudia. Of course, with some of her characters coming into the purview, like Leox Jossie and Affie and, and Geode, Magnetized geode. This book is another singular event, another massive action scene, but also a survival scene. This is less war and it's more something like Dunkirk, almost, where it's like this is it's prevention until it's just let's try to stop as stop loss at this point. That's all we can do because um, yeah. it's it's coming down. So. What was your experience and overall thoughts with this one? There are some new characters here. Did anybody stick out to you? Uh, Reginald Cole. There's uh, Thaya Fair, who is sort of like Marcion's personal assistant. Uh, Markion gets some action in this book <laughs> instead of Elzar. Doesn't seem oh, yeah. really happy about it, but he does. Um, with with Gira Star Wars, which poor little Avon Star Wars. It's like, oh, what a horrible stepdad. <laughs> uh, so so, so what, what were your thoughts on this one this one was my least favorite of the bunch um i but also the one that took me the least time to read i, I it took me two sittings like i could not put it down mm-hmm. i was constantly like i want to know what happens next but uh it still i think i it left me a little bit wanting
1: Yeah. I I still don't know my exact order because when I finished this one, I was like, Ooh, this one might be my favorite actually. And I can't really put my finger on why, but I, I just think from like from start to finish, it held me, it held my attention so well. And maybe it was because it wasn't jumping around to a lot of planets. It was very Mm. self-contained. But yeah, I loved this one. Orla for, she was kind of new for me. So all of her stuff, her and Elzar's stuff in this book really uh, captured my attention. Um, what else was new in this one? Oh, Geode was also kind of new. I knew who Geode was, but I hadn't really, I had talked plenty about Geode. <laughs> I hadn't read a book that he had been in yet, I don't think. But, oh yeah, Ma- Magnetized Geode just sounds like a special edition of a <laughs> Funko Pop or an action figure <laughs> yeah. that you could get. That I absolutely want, uh, but his stuff was hilarious. And that's, like they used him so sparingly, but so well that like I never want to know more about him. I just want him to keep popping up in these hilarious, mysterious ways. And when Elzar think he's thinks he's like some holy rock that he should be bowing down to. That that's just yeah. when when Claudia writes comedy like that. It makes me so happy.
0: Well, I love that that's funny. And it's also like actually poignant that I, cause like kind of the original lesson that Wreath has to learn and in into the dark with Geode is that, cause he's like, that it's just a rock the whole time until it saves his life. And uh, he's like, okay. Like he learns to be more accepting of all life and understand mm-hmm. that just because that life doesn't look like you, like it's still, it's life and geode is part of the force and so the fact that elzar walked up to this guy (laughs) and was like clearly this is a powerful force relic it is powerfully connected to the force and like bows down to it (laughs) and they're like oh you met geode (laughs) it's such a well-written description too like just the prose of it like Yes, yeah, a, a tablet that the the markings must have been eroded over time. There it's not really visible what this could be. And it had me. It even had me for a moment. I was like, that's a oh uh, okay, yeah. what's going on? I was Here. like, yeah, what is this? Yeah.
1: And then later you see him flirting with someone and you're like, oh my gosh.
0: The comedy with Geode works for me every time. Every <laughs> single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they in into the dark they say he's out clubbing again. And you're <laughs> like, what does that look like? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really, really fascinating. And I think that this one, I, I don't know how I would rank them, but this one I think does the most sort of classic sort of Star Wars. I've mentioned Empire Strikes Back. The thing about Empire that I think is that it is one of the most misremembered movies ever made. Just movies. It gets remembered as being this dark, grim middle chapter. It is arguably the funniest of those first three Totally, um, it's goofy. It's yeah, super goofy. I mean, Chewy carrying three PO, everything with Han and the Falcon, and Yoda and R two. Like, it's very funny. This has some of our lowest lows for the characters, but also some truly funny stuff um, across the board. Whether that's Elzar gifting four five to to Stellan to be his assistant and just to troll him, just because. Like, yeah, it'll help you, but also I know you're going to be annoyed by this. That's our brotherly relationship, whether it's Geode, whether it's Leox. Leox gets his own villain in this book with mm. Coley Lynn, Lin, uh, who's another new character who is just the worst. Um, it's, it definitely has, like, it's not afraid to have light and levity, and none of the books are, but this one in particular. But then also, you know, Molly, you've mentioned Orla and how you were new to Orla. I went into this with Orla being my favorite High Republic character. <laughs> Mm-hmm. uh and oh boy i was oh boy <laughs> I, w- I was not mad at it because i'm not gonna get mad about a choice that good especially when it's well written but wow like i haven't felt that way in, in a while that type of that whiplash of like ha 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 oh geode and then all of a sudden it's like <laughs> oh is this my is this is my favorite mm-hmm. character dying is she dying she is dying and, and then all of a sudden
1: yeah it's, uh, i until like the very end, of, I was like, she's not dead. They wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't, they wouldn't. They No, they are. They're doing it. They're doing it. Okay. And what's done. powerful
0: <laughs> about it, what's powerful about it is that normally when you set up your opposing viewpoints with Stellan and Orla, which I think is brilliantly done, the whole idea of he doesn't like way seekers because he's internalized a jealousy of them. It's like when, it's like very high school. Like, I'm I'm very by the book and I've done nothing but study. And then this person parties and gets the same A that I get. Uh, I think we've all sort of been in that place of like, how do they just fall, you know, on their feet every single time that nothing bad ever happens to them? And, and he's internalized so much of that. And she calls him out every single time. Um, if you listen to the audio book, you get a nice sort of like vaguely European kind of Russian kind of, like it's just, it's just talking to you know why you don't like way seekers. it's because <laughs> we are we are free and like all that and when you set that up you're like no way they can both die like
1: uh, yeah. no way
0: because somebody's got to carry on the themes somebody's got to mm. carry on the lessons when she died i was like well can't wait to see stellan find himself in the next book uh <laughs> and then, and then nope he's gone Regal call's gone orla's gone Coley lynn's gone Nivaseek is gone Briaga is presumed gone. Uh he's it, not gone. I, I, oh yeah,
1: we're I all in so deep denial no. about Bury. Briaga yeah. has,
0: has to be alive. Has to be. There's that his return is gonna be like epic in phase three. Um God, I hope. What I don't know he, how he's alive, but he's alive.
1: What if he was on the list of like, okay, here are the Jedi that we're gonna kill? And they're like, Well, not in my book. I'm not gonna do it in my book. <laughs> oh, but me, me neither. I'm not gonna. Claudia Gray's like, no I don't want to do it either so I'm just <laughs> gonna leave that open-ended
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's funny to think about like those choices like I'm, I'm sure it's okay with the group but I didn't I didn't read the interview but I know there was a Claudia interview that caused some kerfuffle uh because I guess the Stellan death was like at the 11th hour and I think mm-hmm. it's I don't even know if it was a late change it was just kind of like as she was writing it she was like uh starlight beacon falling isn't having the power that i wanted to have and so she was like hey gang (laughs) yeah and i agree (laughs) with my id i agree with her i think that it's so powerful it feels like so many moments like he's such a paragon that it's like wow it's like superman flying Mm -hmm. into the sun and he has to use there's no force he just has to use the physical strength of a man to to push it back four or five was like i'm not strong enough to do this like it's so sad and and by the way because you bring Four or Five up and how Elzar gave it to Stellan as a troll. It yeah. really broke me when he was like, when Four or Five shows back up at the end, is like, Stellan told me I have to be like, you're my master now. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. One of the last acts was to prank his best friend. Before <laughs> prank dying. him back. Like in the yep. middle of dying. <laughs> yeah. Prank him back. I'm, I'm your gift. And then he pops open his chest and it's the lightsaber. Mm. Uh, yeah. That was just beautiful, poignant. Everything with them, the themes of, Stellan is our pole star. We're a constellation. It's
1: He's also a fallen star. Yeah, fallen a, star. So many ways to, to put that to use.
0: Which is one of my favorite Star Wars things is the title that just means so many things. Return of the Jedi means like three things. Last Jedi means at least two or three things. Rise of Skywalker means like four things. It's, there's mm-hmm. always layered and you can cut them all different ways. Bad Batch is the same way. Rebels. And this one is is so, so poignant for for him and for, you know, Briaga, how this experience will change him if he comes back, how this experience changes Bell. Bell once again, is pushed further into adulthood by losing even more and how paranoid he is to lose things. And by the way, Claudia Gray, I didn't appreciate leaving Ember on the medical tower uh, during this and me not knowing if she was gonna be fine. That was cruel. I know, uh, yeah. <laughs> But there's uh, so much going on. So in terms of moments that stick out to you, um, where are you at sort of with things that, that you're going back to? Obviously, it's a huge climactic ending. There's lots of stuff going on. Tons of stuff with Nameless and with people freaking out. This one has the most people, it feels like. You get more Joss and Pika Adrian. Um, they come back. There's the Colylin stuff, the Leox stuff. The, the great setup of Leox loving analog technology, only to have a parachute later. <laughs> um, it was really great. I mean, the most gut-wrenching moment for me was Elzar killing Chansey. I remember yeah. I, I was reading it and uh, Molly was like, how's it going? And I'm nearing the end. I was like, it's good. Like, it's very exciting. Nothing like super terrible has happened yet. Like on the level of load and grade story. And then I turned the page and I went,
1: oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that moment was pretty brutal. Because you you don't see that coming. I didn't see it coming. I mean, for him to just like literally cut her down.
0: Yeah, just cut her in half.
1: Oh, and like it's—he went through so much to to kind of come back from that dark place that he was at, and Mm -hmm. you know, Orla did so much to help him get there. And you think, oh no, he like he's one step forward, two steps back. (laughs) Yeah, but like, I he—I don't think he's in as dark of a place as like some people think he might be in but still just like he's like I, I did that I did that and I'm gonna have to just think about what I did later at no time yeah yeah <laughs> it feels so
0: it feels so fresh for Star Wars because we've seen our Jedi and our heroes fail people but we we don't ever see like their direct deaths at the hands of these heroes again it's that wiggle room of publishing like We don't have to show an actor slicing down another actor on screen so we can put something that is a little bit more horrific, a little bit more brutal. Um, And the way that it plays, not dissimilar to, we gave you Loden back for a little bit, just to take him away again. It's like Elzar's had an increasingly dark moment with each book in this trilogy. And he really comes into his own as one of the leads. I think in this one, he has that great moment of getting on the loudspeaker, telling everybody this is the way it's going to be wanting Stellan to be proud of him throughout and how hard he worked and how they step up as a a duo and Stellan is exhausted throughout this entire thing and the dark side is affecting them all um, in terms of not being able to connect not being able to feel it happens in literal ways and figurative ways um, and it just it's still it's not afraid to push him to that place I guess when you don't have to wrap things up in a movie runtime or even a season runtime it's like Oh yeah, when are you gonna find out how Elzar's doing? Uh, probably 2024, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's when you'll figure it out. Uh, it's, it's really, really um, just devastating. Um, but were there, and I wanted to save this question for this book, despite everything going to hell and them crashing down onto Iram, what were the moments that still made you feel Star Wars hope in this book, despite it being the very bittersweet conclusion? Uh, Stellan sacrificing himself and I can't remember if it was four or five or just some announcement that was like now projections are like just 12 people are gonna die and he was like that's still too many and he like pushed himself harder to save as many lives as he could
1: does that give you hope though that made me mad at him I was like come on dude really (laughs) (laughs) I I get it but that gave me hope yeah I don't know what, what gave me hope at the end of this book, something did, but I don't know what it is. Just that, <laughs> just that maybe I'll find out that these people are going to be okay one day. I, I
0: mean, the end is still bittersweet. Yeah. But seeing before the marquee stuff, cause I think that's the last page, but yeah, with Avar and Elzar reuniting and
1: mm-hmm. Leox
0: surviving, seeing people reuniting down on the ground, uh, i thought that was good
1: yeah i didn't see the leox thing happening either but i i had almost forgotten about him when he when we find out that he's he was alive and i was like you son of a gun you did <laughs> you it, did it.
0: <laughs> yeah it feels very i mean as he is inspired by mcconaughey it feels so mcconaughey to start like begin crashing and he just walks in from off camera like what are you guys looking at
1: that's oh. it it reminded <laughs> me of, like
0: uh <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, when they're yes. all looking off the edge of the cliff that the tank fell off, and they thought Indy was down there, and he mm. just walks up and he's like, Whew. "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent that vibe." That's a, a very good call. I wouldn't be surprised if that's exact, if that's a direct <laughs> direct pull. Um, on the note of before we wrap up and start winding this conversation down, uh, there's across the entire trilogy, obviously, big one of the biggest threads in the entire era is this romance between Elzar and Avar. Where do you stand on it? How do you feel about it? What do you think? Not, I'm not asking you to predict their future because sometimes that can be a conversation of like, well, I'm just gonna see where the story takes me. But given what you have right now, what do you think it's saying? And um, it's always interesting throwing this conversation out there, but especially to like actual married people, what advice would you <laughs> give them uh, if you had to give them some advice?
1: Keep it in your pants. No. <laughs> uh, uh, I, Get a job
0: I transfer.
1: T- yeah. I think the two of them, I love their relationship. I think it's really beautiful. And I do think they have like a deep love for each other. But I don't think it's like in the sense of, the, of a relationship, like everyone thinks of a relationship, you know, it's kind of just like, it's not quite friends. It's not quite family. It's not quite lovers. Like it's some somewhere in between. They just have a lot of admiration for each other. Uh, And maybe at one time there was like a deeper love or or passion, but I think as we read more from the two of them, we'll see that it it maybe isn't quite passion, but it's just just like a deeper connection between the two of them.
0: I, I think I see it. I see everything that you're saying specifically from Avar. I think that's how she feels. Yeah, I feel like Elzar is on the other side because he calls her, like, my Avar a couple times. Uh, and and he was thinking about her while she was gone and at the Republic Fair. He is so concerned about her in The Fallen Star. Like, I think he loves her. I think that we haven't really gotten any inner dialogue from her since Light of the Jedi, but I never got a sense reading the comics that she was, like pining for Elzar. Mm -hmm. So I kind of think she's past that and he's not.
1: Maybe that's just another way of them showing us like you get too possessive as a Jedi. No, no, (laughs) that's never going to work out well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't see him as possessive, just overly concerned. And like, and I don't think it really let, I don't think it clouded his judgment or anything in this book, but I don't know. I, I just think that he loves her, and she r- loves him as a friend, and all like all their history together. But I think she's moved beyond it. So yeah, you get a job transfer, Elzar. That's <laughs> yeah. You got to be far away. Be the marshal of the opposite side somewhere else. Um It's it's a, yeah. I I hear everything you're both saying, and I think it's so true, especially that point, Alex, about. You're on different pages. Makes me think of like Five Hundred Days of Summer, which is mm. which is a movie that I compare a lot to solo because that's where Han and Kira are by the time they reunite is such And Han appears in Five Hundred Days of Summer. That look at you. <laughs> I, I legitimately yeah, yeah. there's the, the reflection <laughs> He winks moment. in the reflection. He winks at the car. The car window, and he sees oh. Harrison Ford in that like musical moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've been saying that for a while. I never even thought about that moment. That's so funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, this and it is, you know, it's those those hot-headed guys or those guys that are overly emotional or uh, emotional about the situation. It's not bad, of course, for a guy to be emotional. Please, if you're listening to this, it is okay <laughs> to cry, and you really should. And therapy rocks. Um, but. <laughs> and Elzar could use something and the the whole idea that he's living in the past is a big thing he is constantly it was the three of us it was the three of us it was awesome it was so great oh these young times oh but we put it behind us but I didn't like it's got that that (laughs) whole vibe of he would love to go back to those high school summers or college Mm -hmm. summers and it's sad you feel for him and I'm gonna put it out there I think that there, it was either and I know it's a joke on Twitter I, I really do think that they were a thruple like in a real sense or or at least that they had both dated Elvar uh, Elvar Elvar. I guess I just that name? did I accidentally <laughs> say name? the ship name El- Elvon, uh, yeah, Elvon <laughs> but I think that Stellan definitely was with her at some point I think that because yes. of Emmerich yes. and Trail of Shadows he's like so you and Avar that was a little bit weird and he's like it's not like that anymore like he throws, he shuts it down really quick. So it's either they both dated, or all three of them dated. I don't know. I love it. I love that that's a thing. Um, these three greats have all had that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting to see it explored. And I also love that it can just it could just be ambiguous
1: mm-hmm.
0: with with Anakin and Padme, or Han and Kira. They're great stories, but they are they're prequelized stories within a context of I know where they're headed. By the time I had solo, I knew I knew about Han's death. I know his entire life um, with Anakin and Padme. I know that their purpose is tragedy. I know that they're here to be Shakespearean. I know they're here to father these tw- and mother these twins. Um, with these characters, are so far in the past. In the same way that anyone can die, anything can happen. They could leave the order and go have a bunch of kids, or he could go to the dark. I don't think he will. I think that I admire the restraint of the trilogy. And I guess this will be how we start to end. We'll back up and just talk about the trilogy. I admire the restraint of all of these books, particularly these three, the adult ones for not pushing anyone to that place. Like you said, Alex with Loden, I think it would have been easy to turn someone into a dark sider. It would have been sort of like, well, we, they're not a Sith. We said no Sith. Mm-hmm. We didn't say you wouldn't see a red lightsaber. <laughs> and they, they didn't really feel the need to do that. Maybe down the road, but how did y'all feel about the trilogy as a whole by the time it was over? Now looking back on it, now that we've talked about it for a while, where does this stand for you as a complete story of these Delray books?
1: I like what you said about restraint like in the fact that there weren't any technically dark side users because the whole point of this is to see the height of the Jedi and then we already know the fall of the Jedi and that story. So I don't know, these books as a whole... It, it just tells such a cool, unique Star Wars story, and yeah we're we're getting all this stuff said in the past, so we could we could end up anywhere with some of these characters, and that's really exciting to just know that anything could happen uh, but I'm just excited that we're getting content like this that just the way these writers worked together to create such a such a huge story and how it was kind of all put together as an outline first and then they've all worked together to to put out these incredible novels and it just it it feels good to know that it's taken care of by all of these really amazing writers and that they know what they're doing they know where it's going and yeah it's just a really great setup.
0: Yeah I I have fully bought into the Era that what I said when Light of the Jedi came out, I was like, I'm in, like this sold me. Uh, it's like a little microcosm of Star Wars where I'm like, I will try anything that you throw at me and I'm not going to love all of it, but uh, I, I'll probably have a good time. And that's how I felt about all of phase one where Light of the Jedi had me hooked. And I was like, I will read every comic. I will listen to every audio drama and I'll read every short story. I know I'm not going to like All of it as much as this but it'll be worth it so i think the only thing i wish is that this were a quadrilogy like that's (laughs) that's my criticism is i wish it were longer i think it could have benefited from one more book one more book just to get to know stellan a little bit more i felt like i didn't get to know him as much as elzar or even loden where loden only had like a a book and then parts of the second book and i was still crushed when he died I didn't quite feel that when Stellan died, so I think I I could have benefited from more time with him, or if he were just part of Light of the Jedi a little bit more. But that that's it. I like I love this era.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's a beautiful trilogy, and I think that the themes, the character work, to your both your points. I mean the the fact that this was because look at every other trilogy. Look at Zahn's now three Thrawn trilogies, um, Alexander Freed's alphabet stuff. Like this entire thing has been, has been handled normally by like, you're the author, here's your thing. And for this to be three different people, it's just a crazy amount of success or it to feel like one piece. So uh, do you have last final thoughts, anything that you want to say, if that's a prediction, if that's a, last thing that you you didn't say that you thought of anything you want to throw out before we wrap it up jumping like four or five years into the future. I hope that they do this again. I hope that this becomes how they introduce new stuff uh, where they get a group of writers, get, get a fresh set of faces, tell them you can do whatever you want to do in star Wars and let them come up with a story and plan it out together and, Just do it again because this has been my favorite thing Star Wars publishing has done maybe ever and it's been the most fun I've had diving into like brand new Star Wars content in a long time. So I'd like for them to keep doing that, use it as like a testing ground and then be like, all right, and now we're gonna throw a a series or a movie or whatever into this era as well.
1: Yeah, I I just really want more content in other forms of media. I want a show, like I think this would do really well as like an animated show. Um, And yeah, give us that pop star story in like a a manga or something. I I really want that, I
0: really want it. Maybe they will, like I wasn't expecting a Porter Ingalls story, Yeah, Uh, I was hoping, I thought that maybe when all three phases were over, they'd be like, now let's go flesh some things out. Uh, (laughs) So maybe we'll get your uh, manga about the pop star. I would love It, it. It comes with a CD in the back. Yes. Uh, and you sync them up it's like a, it's a, a multimedia <laughs> experience and uh that'd be fantastic you could like got you tour t-shirts it'd be great um thank you both so much You've been super uh, generous with your time great as always you both are always wonderful people if for some ungodly reason you you found alex and molly through this show i don't know what uh, what that would be uh there are Individual episodes with both of them to have their backgrounds and uh, stuff that they're into, and and you know with Alex we talked a lot about pilots and and his childhood and the background and everything that he's into, and then with Molly Sailor Moon came up in that episode. Lots of stuff that wasn't even Star Wars related and how that ties in. And so definitely check those out. And uh, for you guys, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, what the Patreon situation is, what's coming up. Uh, Our YouTube channel is Star Wars Explained, and we talk about all this stuff there too. We review the books, Uh, we talk about new and interesting or that it adds to the universe um, We and we cover, you know, everything else, the movies, the series, the video games, the comics, etc.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you can find us on other socials at Star Wars Explained with no E.D. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. TikTok, we're still working out. Don't know how to use it. It's for the youngsters. We're, we're working on it. Um, and then check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Star Wars Explained. We're... Gearing up for Obi Wan stuff right now. So, we've just released a trailer reaction for that on our Patreon. So, lots of fun stuff coming for that.
0: And and we do book clubs with our yeah. patron members. And we, uh, like two or three weeks after any book comes out, we all get together and talk about it. Yep, book clubs. There's uh, comic <laughs> reactions for the comic readers. You get Hilo content in there, which is He's always there for the episode reactions. Um, so, Uh, it's a great time. So again, thank you, Alex. Thank you, Molly. It's been awesome diving into these books. And for those of you listening, we'll definitely um, we'll bring on some other guests. We'll figure some stuff out how we can cover uh, the rest of the phase and everything going forward. And of course, uh, there will be Kenobi coverage on the show. As for me personally, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z, Octo Radio Everywhere, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's this show fox's show the and creed and then a rewatch between worlds will be back soon covering all of rebels and then it'll be kenobi 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 until star wars celebration it feels like so for right now for me for alex for molly for Hilo, for pippin and all of star wars Explained*. punch it chewy